It's a New Year's Eve miracle. Ding dong. The miracle is Wisteria Gaze has an episode again. Hey everybody, it's Mackenzie popping in here at the top of the episode just to say, hey, I'm sorry this took so long. We recorded this actually three weeks ago, pulling back the curtain a bit at like 7.30 in the morning. So you can hear that we are very, very tired and also some of the language and things we talk about is a little outdated, i.e. the Hulu Desperate Housewives scare, and the fact that I didn't have a Game Boy SP when I recorded this, and then a couple days later bought a Game Boy SP. But I digress. This month has been a little wild for us between our full-time jobs, families, COVID, the holidays. It was just really hard to get our mental health and our time all sort of aligned perfectly to be able to record and edit the pod. And so I'm sorry it took so long. We're hoping to go into the new year renewed, refreshed, and ready to continue on this journey of season three. And I really wanted to pop in and just say thank you for your support. Thank you for everything. We love that you listen to this podcast and we love that you've been waiting for this episode. And we're excited to keep bringing you more in 2022 because we love doing this show. We really do. So yeah, thank you for all your support. This year has been hard for everybody in very different ways. And I'm glad that maybe this show can give you a little bit of peace, happiness, and solace when things get really, really, really sucky in the world. Um, Because I know it gives that to us. And this relationship and community we have with you guys um, gives that to us as well. So I hope this new year treats you well. Love you guys. Enjoy the episode. We're sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free free in the app store. store. Oh, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey, Ned. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. You I, said it. You said it. And I don't know why I had. I had to repeat it. It's it's Meisner. We're doing repetition techniques. <laughs> you are eggy. I, I am, am eggy. eggy. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I just wanted to say we both just woke up, and mm, our eyes. Fresh out of bed. It's like that that Squidward <laughs> meme. Up. His eyes just crack open, and we have to talk about Desperate Housewives. Uh, I can't. I can't. Don't even talk to me before I've had, had my, my Desperate, Desperate Housewives. Housewives. Did you know that there was a scare this week on Hulu that that they were removing Desperate Housewives? I did see people talking about it in the Discord, but I'm glad it was resolved. I think it's gone uh, now. So everyone who watches yes. on Hulu, like us, <laughs> I think we're all yes. okay. Thank God. Hulu, if you want to sponsor us. Hulu? Um, bring us into the reboot. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, Ned, we are here. Also, I should say we're Wisteria Gays. And this is a I podcast guess, where yeah. we obviously talk about Desperate Housewives. My name is Mackenzie. My name is Ned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and today we're going to talk about season three, episode 12 are you pumped to dive on into this little sody? I'm already in this. Sody. Oh shit, let me join you. Yeah, I got in at the Ooh. factory. Ooh. Oh. Also, those are my cats in the background. It's a morning, so it might be a little <laughs> crazy. But um I forgot to tell you something else. Guess what guess what I saw oh. this last weekend? 
you saw the gay nun movie. I did. I saw it twice and I loved that anyone who wants to talk to me about Benedetta hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> but I also saw Licorice Pizza, the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And I bring that oh. up to say, guess who had an incredible fucking scene in that movie connected to this show? Um, I- I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Uh, Zach. <laughs> no, the Tillmeister. <laughs> what yeah she was in um licorice pizza as like a booking agent or something and she was just smoking and just like surrounded in smoke (laughs) and like cackling and being so fucking funny and like chewing the scenery and so i want to say just alert for any desperate housewives fans when licorice pizza comes out she is fabulous in it so um she was one of the few parts I liked. Ooh, controversial. Ooh. Yeah, so now we can dive into the Sodi because I forgot to tell you about that and I wanted to tell everyone. Well, we have one more thing to do before we dive into the Sodi. What do we have? We have Sondheim Watch. Oh, I know. We have facts. I was going to, I'll get into it. I'll get into them. So this episode, <laughs> <laughs> we're both, we like literally both woke up like 10 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> this episode premiered January 14th, 2007 and was written by Kevin Murphy and Kevin Etten and directed by David Grossman, all people we know. For Sondheim Watch, uh, I was really emotional. I saw the episode title. It was called Not While I'm Around, which is from the musical Sweeney Todd. And I think I would say it is one of my absolute favorite Sondheim songs. I love that song so much. It's great. And for Wisteria International in France, this was called A Feeling of Security. In Finland, it was called Perfect Woman, which completely different. In Hungary, it was called Over My Dead Body. And mm. my favorite was in Spain. It was called Don't Lie, I'm Still Here. <laughs> <laughs> very, very spot on. Yeah, I like I how it went so from myself. Not While I'm Around to don't lie i'm still here <laughs> i just think that's funny <laughs> you're not gonna lie to me <laughs> not while, not I'm, while I'm still here <laughs> <laughs> um, oh jinkies uh jinkies jonkies jablukies bonkies jabukies bonkies jabuki if you want to be on here <laughs> yeah jabuki come be on our <laughs> podcast bonkers bananis as you said yes let's get in let's get in your average housewife worries constantly about dangerous people <laughs> what's up with that racism uh, she, <laughs> usually yeah, <laughs> yeah especially in the suburbs yeah uh you know she sees on the nightly news everything bad going around mm-hmm. and then i i also would like to say the tone and vibe of this episode i can talk about it more when we actually get into the episode but like it's it felt like a huge shift from like the past like six episodes really yeah like to me at least yeah um because then it, it cuts so it's mary alice is talking about housewives how there's many dangers in the world how they're always on the lookout to keep themselves safe mm-hmm. and then it it cuts to the average inmate <laughs> worries about the dangers as well he makes a little weapon out of a toothbrush he wears his little jumpsuit. Um, but the difference between them is that inmates know that the feeling won't last long. Um, and that little inmate is a little Mikey Poo. Yeah. He makes himself a little knife. And he gets eyed by some dudes. And the inmate just kind of is like, the other inmate who eyes him is just like, 
just like waves the guard away and i was like what the mm-hmm. fuck how is that even possible we will find out that the i mean the guards at this prison are on another level yeah just this weird is orange is the new black bullshit of like these <laughs> guards are both uh too involved and also not involved enough yeah yeah because he go oh. the guy goes up and starts beating the shit out of mike he starts beating the shit out of him but who steps in other than Paul Young, Mike Delfino's best friend, and <laughs> saves his life. Um, but then we pretty quickly see, right, that Paul paid these guys to attack Mike, presumably so that he could save him. He clearly is trying to build some trust in Mike, I'm, I'm assuming. We then get our second Mary Alice monologue talking about wild parties, handsome strangers, <laughs> tender kisses. Uh, felt very much like season one narration to me. Like I said okay, earlier, right. the, the vibe of this episode felt a little strange to me. <laughs> but essentially, Gabby comes home from a, a night out and there is a mannequin, full on <laughs> wig and everything, uh, just in her house. And I would like to nominate this mannequin for lesbian of the episode. Thank you. I love that. You're welcome. Why not? I would have Um, also shat my pants and screamed if I was Gabby. Because, like, mannequins are so scary, especially when you do not expect them. (laughs) But also, when she finds out it's just a mannequin, uh, I would be personally thrilled to have a free mannequin. But the, that's just me. But but <laughs> I someone know. had to have broken into your house to deliver it to you. You know, I'll check it for bugs, and if it's fine, it's fine. Also, <laughs> like, I I will not lie. It's been like a week since I've watched this because, but peek behind the curtain, I watched the wrong episode last week when we recorded. So I actually watched <laughs> this last week. Um, but um, did they get like? Does he have a key? Because there doesn't seem to be signs of a break in. Like, how did they get into this woman's house? I don't understand. Well, did they talk about not it? to give any spoilers, but if this person has a lot of money, they might be able to just pay somebody to break in stealthily. Yeah, that's true. Maybe just a lockpick. Because I was just like, how the fuck would he get into the house? Because <laughs> the next time we see a delivery, <laughs> it's just on the porch. So yeah, I have no idea. Like, Mackenzie, I think you mean they. We don't know who Oh, is you're yet. right. I'm so sorry. I don't want to assume. <laughs> <laughs> hey, spoiler um, alert. Zach, Zach Young, he they king. No, no, no. <laughs> um, that's why he's growing his hair out. <laughs> that's true. He's got that skater boy yeah. hair. Um, we then cut to the Scavo household. Tom is home. The scarring is big and beautiful. And uh, Lynette's got her sex perfume on. <laughs> I wonder what that smells like. It smells like pure wet. And <laughs> um, <laughs> Lynette's looking at the menus for yes. the restaurant. She's, and she loves she it. She loves it. She's being supportive. She's being sweet. I love that. Yeah. It's so nice. And she wants to see the restaurant. Yeah. Remember when I forgot that there was a restaurant sublet? <laughs> Yes, and uh, now it's coming back full swing. Full fucking force. And he doesn't want her to see it until it's complete, because basically he doesn't mm-hmm. want her to come in early and micromanage before it's had a chance to open. And the fucking line where she was like, well, I mean, your phone number's wrong on your menus, but I didn't say anything. I thought that was so funny. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he bans her from opening. 
to like they just kind of bicker because he's just so fucking self-conscious it's the thing is it's like mm-hmm. look if your wife is that smart and good at her job why wouldn't you want her to be involved <laughs> like I yeah don't under- i don't understand well, we get it and in- we get into it later but he's just like he is not confident in any of his abilities and he is afraid to ask for help when he like i need this man it. to get it's- over his bullshit <laughs> i'm over it yeah that's true that's true. You know a good thing about what? He's scruffy again. He is scruffy again. I was. I thought you were gonna say. I did note that he's banned from her openings. <gasps> uh, that was also a good <laughs> lie. <laughs> no, I was too distracted uh, by his stubble. I'm sorry. <laughs> we swoosh to the next scene. Swoosh. Julie wants the pill, Whoa. but she needs a uh, parental like consent for it i don't know how birth control i don't either um because i only started it uh last week (laughs) and Ah. i'm 26 uh so i also do not know if you if that's i mean i would assume you need parental i don't know i have no idea i literally don't know how that works yeah i guess if she's under 18 then as well i guess and julie's age is so amorphous no one can know what it is so (laughs) yeah (laughs) who knows but uh, so her and Austin are talking about getting birth control. Yes. Susan comes in and starts wigging out a little bit and uh, starts asking Julie if she's having sex. Julie panics, lies, lies. Well, you, you missed the this comedy queen. Isn't this when she like slid down the stairs and she was like, dunk, 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 dunk. Yes. Uh, I thought yes. that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. We, I'm telling you where it, 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 this episode felt kind of like classic Desperate Housewives to me. Yeah, it was pretty fun. We had the comedy queen. We had the mothering. Susan was doing this sort of, um, you know, unhelpful sex talk, which a lot of parents mm-hmm. do that is just kind of fear mongering instead of giving your your young adult children the um, tools and language they need to stay safe and protect themselves you just try to scare them into not having sex yeah which everyone knows and doesn't fucking work <laughs> so it, not to bring this up too soon but i do think that one thing this episode does really well is that like there is a moment later where julie and austin spoiler alert <laughs> are talking to Edie about getting them the birth control yeah um but they are like Listen, we're going to have sex whether you want us to or not. We are just telling you we want to be safe yeah. about it. I think that's really Which mature. Is, yeah. Yeah. And I, I loved that. I did too. And I love and I, I love Edie being a good parent there because it is this mm-hmm. is kind of the a thing she would be able to be mature about and communicate with them about. Like I loved Edie in this episode. Oh, she was great. She was great. But for now, we have to go back to the Brie household. The Brie household. <laughs> um, is there anything else that happens in that scene that's like of no? It's mostly just... We find out that Alma is talk. in the Apple White House, I think. Mm-hmm. And Brie is like pissed at their neighbors and Brie tries to like... It, it's like Brie, Alma, and Edie, right? Because Edie's like making the sale. And Brie is like, did you know that there was a child chained up in the basement and someone died? And did it, like all this crazy shit to try to like scare... Alma and to not buying it, but Alma's like, I don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and Edie was funny and she had great cheekbones in this scene, I wrote down. Hell yeah. Her cheekbones were always my... perfect. She could cut them, she could cut glass with those cheekbones. 
Oh, cut a diamond with those cheekbones. Queen. Nicola Sheridan, call me. And then I think there's a quick, tiny, tiny shift to Orson and Brie doing dishes. And basically, Brie is like, Orson, do something about this. And Orson's like, uh, okay, fine. And that's, that's basically that. And it mostly just peppers what will happen soon. But first, we have something else. We go to the scene I just talked about yeah, two minutes yes. ago, <laughs> which is Julian Austin wanting Edie to get them birth control. Like we just said, it, it is a very nice conversation. They're being very responsible and mature about it. Edie so does Edie. say, sex kills, sex kills, but just so she can get it out there and say that she said it out loud. <laughs> I thought that was funny. It was. Because, I mean, Edie probably also was a was a young person having sex, and I don't know. I just feel like she can be really mature well, with them about it. It's nice. We find out in this scene, Edie finds out for the first time that condoms are only 85% effective. <laughs> I love that She line. thought she could coast until menopause. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> I thought I could coast <laughs> until menopause. Um, that is also very funny. I loved that. But I was like, Edie's a good parent. When you give her the chance, she can be a really good guardian. And I think that she fits really well with like older kids. I know that like mm-hmm. it's vaguely mentioned that she has a really young son that she doesn't see much. But like who it's it's like yeah it, i mean that's like season one shit like it's vaguely vaguely mentioned but i think with older kids she like matches really well with like older teens because she talks to them mm-hmm. like they're adults because that's the point in your life when you're transitioning into being an adult so like yeah you can't just force your kids to never grow up and i think Edie's good at that because she's not like a very maternal person but she is like a respectful person mm-hmm. um i love Edie. <laughs> Oh, I did write uh, Let's Me the Episode to Edie for being their second mom. Yes, yes, I second that. We then cut to Gabby sleeping. Earlier, I think we forgot to mention that Gabby in, uh, got Carlos to sleep yes. over. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Because she is afraid. It's because whenever we see Carlos, we just black out. And we don't really pay attention. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gabby is sleeping. She wakes up. And sees a man trying to get into her house. He's like getting out of a car or, right? He's getting out of a car going to her house. I think so. Yeah, he's getting out of a car and he's going to drop off. I think what we find out is like a bracelet or some shit outside. Yeah. Yeah. But Gabby tells Carlos and they kick the shit out of him. (laughs) Basically, yeah. And I think it cuts pretty quickly to them like he they get him some ice or or like peas or something for his head uh and he's like my boss has been making me leave the gifts it's it's just my boss it's my boss i'm sorry and and uh he he's on the phone with his boss but gabby is like i want to talk to this guy and uh it's a pretty funny bit because carlos is like yeah tell that guy fuck off and then gabby's like oh my god yeah that dress is really cute yeah um dinner how about lunch yeah let's not be too serious like gabby is immediately charmed by this mystery man on the phone um and i think it's funny because we've already talked about it but does she not recognize his voice at all she must not was he using like the scream modulator and he was like hi gabby (laughs) what's your favorite scary movie (laughs) Um, like how did she not recognize his voice that's yeah i have no idea Gabby is on another planet than we are. I'm 
I'm positive of this. I need someone to edit in the like scream audio from Scream One, but with Gabby talking on the phone. I'll do um, that for you. Thank you, thank you. That's my request to the world. Uh, but that's kind of that whole. She does. I think she does say like he sounds kind of familiar, but like not doesn't actually well, interrogate that right. She says, um, "What do you? Oh, we know each other." Mm-hmm, like she mm-hmm. she's like you sound familiar and then he's like well that's because we know each other because that's because um, we know each other gabby yeah well that's because we know each other remember me from season one little julie uh <laughs> can you imagine you jumping from julie to gabby what a what a leap Jeez. what a leap i mean he's got confidence now he has money oh yeah you know so he's you got get. a little suit his little suit his little fucking long hair <laughs> we'll talk about it when we see him. We then go to prison with Mike and Paul. Mike essentially just thanks him and says, "Hey man, I owe you one." And then a a guard <laughs> at the prison is like, "Hey man, come here. You don't want to trust that guy. I'm only looking out for you. I'm looking out for you, man. You're my best friend, Mike Delfino. I know you don't remember me." But. If I could break you out of here, I would, baby. I would get you out of here. But hey, for now. The one cop that don't care that you killed another cop. <laughs> I actually hated that guy. <laughs> I hated that guy. Uh, he owed me money. <laughs> Does suck that I will never get it now. Um, but by anyway, the way, you got you got some money? <laughs> I know you were in you jail. but uh, Could I borrow it? Yeah. I also just did tell you this information. <laughs> um oh my god yeah like that that made no fucking sense they're i this, like the thing is and i'm not i'm not claiming to know anything about how prison or jail works but i think that sometimes when you watch tv shows you can tell that like people who write the tv shows also have no fucking idea how prison mm-hmm. or jail works because all this is just so fucking stupid <laughs> like they yeah. clearly watched like I don't even know a season of that. That watched sh- Oz. Yeah, they, I was like, "What's that show that's like on HBO?" They like watched Oz, and they were like, "We'll just copy this." <laughs> like, I don't know if uh, that was a strong idea, Desperate Housewives, but you know, whatever. But uh, I did forget to say the guard is also like, "Hey, that guy Paul Young paid off those guys oh, yeah. to beat you up," and that's basically that. That scene. Because then we cut to Susan telling Gabby about the sex stuff with Julie. And I thought this was funny because Gabby was like, oh, so you believe her <laughs> when yeah. she says she's not having sex? And the thing is, straight A students can have sex, too. Why Why are they acting like if you get above yeah. a B, you just don't fuck? Like, I don't understand. Because you're a nerd and nerds <laughs> don't fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's just a hilarious idea. They're like, Julie, that gets good grades. Clearly, she's not blowing off steam some way with a boy uh so susan and gabby begin searching her room for i don't know something uh i also noted that gabby looks hot here and i do not remember what she's wearing but i just remember she looked really good okay it was a weird shirt it was doing it for me (laughs) (laughs) um but this part i thought was funny gabby notes that the fact that she's a vcr is weird which like yeah, which it is kind of weird. It is kind of weird, but I think it would be less weird in two thousand seven. I wouldn't. I oh, think two thousand seven essentially. Stuff. Well, I, I, 
I'm not saying that, like, some people had stuff. I just think that, like, I think I'm thinking about it as, like, a more transitional point to, like, more, like, DVD players or yeah. just, like, gaming consoles as, as like, DVD stuff. So people would be like, yeah, like, why would I have a VCR? VCRs are so 10 years ago. I do like that people are getting VCRs again. Everyone's back. Oh, at, yeah. Everyone is, like, very into the vintageness of fucking VCRs quandary for our listeners who grew up with a vcr i'm very curious where the age groups land because i do think that there is a distinct generation of people who have never seen a vcr in their lives Mm -hmm. yeah oh i had one of those little tvs with the vcr inside of it me too it was a pink like barbie one and i fucking watched like bowfinger on there (laughs) like five uh and all my all my disney all my disney tapes it was great Hell yeah. Oh. Hell yeah. I need to I get a VCR. A <gasps> Fuck. Yes, dude. I need to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We would watch um, Goosebumps. I had like Goosebumps tapes. Uh, my cousins and I would watch. Hell yeah. Oh, we get hell a VCR yeah. player. We. <laughs> I got bound on VHS recently. I. Yes. I need. You need a VCR player. I do. I need to get. I need to get one of those little TVs. I do. That's my new goal. <laughs> That's our new page. Our new Patreon goals. We get a TV <laughs> with a VCR player in it. Hell yeah. Um, we, so the VCR is strange for multiple reasons. Gabby just instinctively, like, takes the tape out, and Julie has gutted out this VHS tape just to store her birth control in. That which is honestly, next she level. is a smart girl. She's a smart girl. That is some next level shit, because if it was just Susan, she would have never looked there. Mm-hmm. We then cut to Orson and Elma. He's asking her why she's here. And she is very blunt in saying, I want you, Orson. I know what you did to Monique. I know what you did to Mike. And then Orson says, I see you've been talking to Mother. Yeah, because how does, okay, one, how does Alma know about the Mike stuff? And if she learned it from his mom, how does his mom know about the Mike stuff? Yeah, I have no idea. They just have a very open relationship and it's very community. Oh yeah, no. I don't I just was like why would she know that he ran Mike over cuz like no one was witness to that. And also like hasn't that case closed almost basically because like they were like ah we didn't find the guy. Guess we'll just never do it. That's kind of they, I mean if they know who Mike is to him, they might have been able to yeah. put it together if it was like a hit and run. You know, that's mostly what we get from this scene. We get uh, Brie seeing Alma and Orson on the porch, and she, like, gives him a kiss goodbye. Mm -hmm. And when Orson comes back home, Brie is angry because it seems um, like he didn't do anything. Yeah, he's just like, um, get the fuck over it. Bye, Brie. And uh, Brie's like, what the hell, you motherfucker? Uh, that's quite literally what I wrote. I didn't write any lines down. I just was like, Brie was like, what? And Orson was like, no. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Brie's, Brie's pretty pissed. I mean, yeah, like from especially because he doesn't want to tell her everything. Because also, they're still being very vague what you did to Monique. So we still don't even know what he did. They love doing that shit. They love being like, yeah, what oh, you yeah. did. I know what you did. <laughs> it makes me sick. I know what you did last summer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell. Yeah, like that's kind of they love being vague, but um Oh, something very exciting happened in the next scene. So Tom is at the pizza parlor and Lynette calls to meet for lunch and he says he's leaving to Greendale 
to get <gasps> napkins. And that's how she knows she's he's he's going to be out of the shop because we find out she's right outside. But yeah. <laughs> I looked it up. Greendale is in Wisconsin. It's like and it's, it's like South Wisconsin, which is like basically an hour out from Chicago. Uh, so Dude. another very good indicator that Wisteria Lane and like Eagle State, whatever this is, is uh, basically just mm-hmm. Chicago and Illinois. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I just, I was like Greendale and I started Googling immediately. Because <laughs> um, it's kind of up, yeah, it's like up there where like the, the it's like where Bristol is basically, which is like where the Red oh, Fair is, okay. like right on the basically state line of Wisconsin. Yeah. Cool. But as I said, Detective Lynette, her fedora is on. She knows he's going to be gone. So she sneaks into the pizza parlor and it looks really good. It's mm-hmm. got that exposed brick. It's got that checkered floor, classic Italian oh. restaurant. It's got Andrew <gasps> playing his Game Boy SP. Hell yeah. I want a Game Boy SP so fucking bad. I can't I still it. have mine. I am jealous. Mine broke. I need to get another one. Mm, you do. I mean, you could probably find one for cheap, like a refurbished one. I got to find one. I need it. I need, I need a VHS a player and I need a Game Boy SP. Hell I need yeah. to feel like I'm 11 again. <laughs> <laughs> While Lynette is admiring the bar, Andrew lets it slip that they can't get a liquor license mm-hmm. because some of the people in the area will not sign a form. Uh, and Lynette starts bugging a little bit about it. She knows that restaurants make a lot of their income from bars. And yeah. so she sets out to try to get that liquor license i mean that's the thing is she's not wrong no that happened to um a restaurant i worked at and it was because we were within like we were like across the street from a school so they like legally wouldn't let us get a liquor license Mm. yeah and it closed down because of that it closed down probably from a multitude of reasons but they probably would have made some money (laughs) if more money if we had been able to give people alcohol people love their (laughs) booze that's true and we cut to a quick little scene where Susan calls the doctor. And, like, legally, is this doctor allowed to say this to her? Because she calls and is like, give me all the information about my daughter. And the doctor just fucking does. I don't think that is legal. No, no because the thing is, even if you're, even if the patient is a minor, I think in most cases, like, the, the, the patient still has to be like, yeah, my mom can talk to you. Because when I was a kid, mm-hmm. that's how it always was. Like, the doctor, like, yeah. made me give my them permission to let my mom speak to them. Even when I was, like, a kid and 16. Like... So this just made no sense. So I was annoyed immediately. And the doctor, but basically she's like, did you give my child birth control without my permission? And he's like, no, you were here. You, you know, you're, you're tall, you're blonde, you're so sexy. You have incredible cheekbones. <laughs> that, that's you, right? <laughs> and, 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 and Susan and, said, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Susan's like, oh yeah, do you, you thought I was sexy? Um, can you imagine if she tried to date this doctor? That would have been so fucking funny. Um, oh, but she's like, God. I know who's tall blonde beautiful and sexy she sees Edie outside and she runs out to just immediately tackle Edie to the ground and her leaping over the fence was so fucking funny I laughed really hard hell yeah I I yeah I thought this was like a very classic as well uh Susan and Edie like fight fast walking I missed it I I need Um, a super cut of every Susan Edie scene I think are they my main ship? Maybe. I think so. But basically, Susan tries to like slut shame and be shitty and tries to blame Austin and Edie about all of this. And Edie is like, hey, chill the fuck out. 
because they're in love. They're going to do this whether we like it or not. And we might as well make sure that we're not connected by a baby. Because if they have a baby, then you and I are in-laws and nobody wants that. So fuck off. They're in love opens the door and sees Austin (laughs) with Danielle. Danielle. That... They wasted no time getting that out. Absolutely not. <laughs> like, we found we found this out last episode. <laughs> Why was he doing this in the living room? Does he have a bedroom? Like, you're cheating. You're trying not to get caught. So you fuck in the living room with the big open windows where your aunt could walk in literally any moment? It's, it's the thrill. The the just completely dead inside way you said that was very funny. (laughs) We then cut to lunch. Lunch. Drunch. A day, a date brunch. Ooh, drunch. I love drunch. (laughs) Gabby is at the restaurant waiting for her guy. And classic Yes, it's a guy. A classic bit. It's Zach and Gabby goes, oh, Zach, it's so nice to see you. But if you could just leave the table, I'm waiting for someone. And Zach says, I know you're you're waiting for me, Gabby. It's been me this whole time. (laughs) Like she watched him be a baby, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's how she talked to him. Like he's her dead friend's baby, which he is. And uh, he's just like, yeah, I want to want to fuck me. <laughs> and it just is so weird. I have money now. You can fuck me. I'm only two months younger than John Roland. That oh, no, sorry, I'm two months older than John Roland. That line made me fucking shit my pants. So that means like, when he was with Julie, he was like, he was like a couple years older than Julie, probably. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was like eighteen. Gourd. Oh my gourd! Well, then, well, John Rowland's age changed, like, because he when he st- <laughs> which when we can only series, mean that time is the same for everyone. Because because what happened was we started the series and he was almost sixteen, and then like by season two he was eighteen. So it's like they had by they, season they two he was like twenty four. Yeah, they accelerated his age a lot. <laughs> so, um. What if he's like, I was two months older, but then John aged five years where I aged one. <laughs> now I'm not anymore. Um, it was one of those witches curses. <laughs> yeah. I I will say, I think he looks handsome. Like, yeah. I, you know, he's wearing contacts. He's got his long kind of flippy hair. Um, I was going to say lesbian of the episode, Zach Young, for this hair. Lesbian of the Very episode, Zach 2010. Young's, Zach Young's hair specifically. <laughs> Just the hair. Yes. No, I fully agree. Um I love that. But he still looks like a fucking baby because he is. You know what I mean? Like what? He can only be like 19, 20, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's a little bitty. And it just, this is like kind of so out of fucking nowhere for me. Like Zach being into Gabby. Like completely out of left field nowhere. I don't understand why this is a thing. Yeah. And she's not really having it either. Oh, and I should say in the middle of the Zach scene, Everything we talked about st- stands true, uh, but there was a little Lynette and McCluskey scene where they're talking about the pizza parlor and Lynette is like, I want to fix it, but he'll get mad. And McCluskey is like, fix it and don't tell him. And then he gets to keep his pride. And there you go. And she's like, hmm, okay, great. And then end of Zach and Gabby scene. And then we move on. 
And then we move on to Lynette knocking on a door, meeting a guy named Harry. He's the last signature she needs on that form. And Harry, I'm going to be, should I, can I be frank with you, Mackenzie? Be frank with me. Frank's here, or or Harry, sorry, not Frank. Harry's here for one thing and one thing only. And that's to see tits and then sign a form. I I came here to see tits and sign forms, and I'm all out of forms. <laughs> um, also, yeah, her tits were fucking out in this shirt. Like, oh yeah, she walked I mean, in. They had like, to be for the scene. It was like buttoned down to her fucking navel. <laughs> it was like what? And I'm like, and, and I I never I hate to use this language, but I was really I was like, girl, what were you expecting? Your shirt was like basically open. <laughs> of course, he's gonna look at your tits because you have them out. What? <laughs> oh my god it was wild i did i did write t- tits out for tom scavo tits out for liquor tits out for lynette scavo um I just oh my kind of god that over and over again yes but like that is truly that whole scene yeah she shows her tits and uh he signs the waiver and then we cut to alma and brie i think they're in love I think they are too. I also like two quick lesbian of the nominee nominees. Brie and Alma, one. Yes. Two, Edie and Alma. They Ooh. were hanging out a little bit in this episode. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. uh Edie I, I really liked them together. I'd be into I that. I think that they would be really good. God, yeah. oh, to see women kissing in the show <laughs> would be a mighty fine adventure. Why are Maybe they moving in the middle of the night? That is a weird time for movers to be working, I feel like. People only can move into or out of the Apple White House in the middle of the night. Yeah, if you try to move during the day, there's like a force field that flies up and you can't get in. It's like in Debs. Yeah. Yes, just like in Debs. But uh, in this scene, Brie is very frank as well. Now Brie is being frank. She wants Alma to move. Mm-hmm. And uh, she doesn't know what happened when Orson came over, but you know, she's got to get out. I mean, and Alma invents gaslighting. <laughs> she <laughs> she is a gaslighting gatekeeping girl boss. That's who Alma yes. is. She's the original Gone Girl, and she's she's our queen gaslighter right now. Oh, my God. Alma Merchwin. She tells Brie that Orson just asked if he needed or she needed help unpacking and that he was glad she was in town. And Brie fucking believes her because she doesn't trust her own husband. That's the thing. Oh, the way like so Alma also in this scene, like she has to go do something. She gets called away. She like puts this drink into Bree's hands, which was very suspicious on my part. She was like, drink this, drink it, Bree, bringing it to her lips. Um, Did you think it was like poison or something? Yes, I do. (laughs) Uh, Bree. I do think it was poisoned. I think it could have connected the dots of her injections. Um, but Brie ends up breaking the glass. I don't quite remember why. Oh, it's because so she's going to drink and we see that Alma has a new bird, 
We see yes. that before the scene, the, the start of the scene, she's rehearsing with the bird, kind of. And as Bree's going to drink, the bird says, don't tell Bree. Don't tell Bree. And she obviously thinks that maybe it is repeating something Orson said. I, that's what I thought. I thought that maybe she was thinking like oh, no. Orson said that. And so she drops it because she panics at hearing her the bird say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then she goes to get a dustpan because... It's like Alma is so fucking smart down to knowing Brie would want to clean up her own spill. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. she goes to get the dustpan and there's a loose floorboard like right next to it. And Detective Brie pulls open that floorboard, finds a picture of Monique and Orson and a bag of bloody teeth. Uh, If I had a nickel for every time I found a bag of bloody teeth under a loose floorboard in my ex my husband's ex-wife's house oh my god i'd have one nickel (laughs) (laughs) she leaves the photo but takes the teeth which i found very funny because i'm like it's gotta be all or nothing like either you take all yeah like i don't understand (laughs) like she's gonna know something's missing so you might as well just take all of it (laughs) but i also think that alma wants her to find this i think that alma knows she's gonna take it and i think alma wants her because i just feel like it just feels, it all feels so meticulous. And unless yeah. Alma is super, super lucky, I feel like she had to have planned it. But maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd have and to I see say, it again. I know everyone, I'm like the one who's seen this. I genuinely don't remember. <laughs> so this is also me kind of predicting. Like, I just feel like it all felt so specific that I'm like, oh God, she must have fucking planned this. <laughs> Can I also say... Um, we're, they're getting more and more hilarious with the shots that are uh, covering Marsha Cross's belly. Yes. And that one of the fucking spice rack. Did you see that? It was like this I weird, did. like low fucking angle. <laughs> and it was like the spice rack was like 40% of the frame <laughs> because it was covering oh, her belly. My God. Um, it was just very stupid looking. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> we then cut to Carlos and Gabby he wants to know who the date was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she tries to lie and he goes, you're lying. I followed you. I was outside. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And he... uh, that was very funny because he was like, I thought he's like, yes, I followed you. <laughs> and she says she's actually going to install an alarm system. Cause I think we kind of glossed over that. Cause the scenes got weird, but like, Zach says, like, you need someone to take care of you. That's just who you are. Mm-hmm. I think Gabby took some offense to that. And so Gabby is going to install an alarm and she's going to try to stake some independence for herself. And um, I actually thought this was like a really nice and mature reaction from Carlos where he was like, all right, well, you know, if you ever need me, I'm I'm here. Like now mm-hmm. that he's chill, I like don't hate him. I'm like, OK, yeah, now that you're like a chill person. <laughs> you're actually kind of nice. He's, like, truly He's nicer changing. to her now, like, way more than he was when they were ever married. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that he is changing. Yeah. This is also, like, the 20th time I feel like Gabby's been, like, I'm going to be independent from here on out. And then she immediately isn't. So who knows if this is actually going to stick. Yeah. Next episode. <laughs> She's like, Zach, hi. <laughs> Zach, thank you. <laughs> oh, you got a haircut? We then go to the Scavo household. Tom comes in uh, ready to celebrate. They got the liquor license. And then immediately when Lynette says congratulations goes, well, you know what? I actually don't think that I'm the one who did it, Lynette. What a he fucking gets... wild reaction. 
Oh, it was fri- it's it is frightening how angry he gets sometimes. It's like I understand you have insecurities. I feel like but we, you, we unpack these insecurities every other fucking episode, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just gets to Get a over point it. where it's like, dude, maybe maybe take a note out of Carlos's book. Maybe yeah. work on yourself. <laughs> maybe go to therapy because clearly Carlos yeah. is. And the thing is, it's like Lynette every single time is like eventually understanding and is like, okay, I'll change my behavior. But she still has this instinct to help him. And she points out pretty rightfully so that like they're a team because they're fucking married. You're the whole one of the whole points of being married is that you can rely on this other person and that they have their entire life savings sunk into it. So this isn't just a risk for him. It's a risk for her and their whole family. So of course she wants to be involved in it. Like, dude, don't spend all your fucking life savings as a couple on this thing. And maybe she won't be as involved in it. I don't know. I just, Mm -hmm. I, I can never understand his point of view with this. Like, Having a spouse is great because you have that supportive partner. You have that person to lean on. And he just doesn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's annoying. But she does point out to him that he helps her too. He thinks he doesn't help. But she's like, no, like all these things. That, like she points out all these things in which he helped her. And she's like, we even each other out. We fill each other's holes. We support each other. Like just fucking get into it, bro. I don't know. Yeah. He's annoying. <laughs> I'm team Lynette on this. Yeah. And you know, like he, like every time they fight, listens to her. (laughs) Yeah. And they resolve it. Every time. And Tom is, um, sorry. Lynette's going to put on her sex perfume and someone's getting pegged tonight. Oh, someone is absolutely getting pegged. Absolutely. (laughs) And then we go into our closing monologue. When oh, we... No, 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 no. Right? No. There's there's Susan. I was going to say, when we one day get sponsored by a company that makes sex toys and we make a Desperate Housewives strap line. Oh. Can you imagine? Yes. <laughs> the Lynette one, the description is like just for Tom. I'm trying to think of what. So two I- two ideas and they're very cursed. Okay. One, a dick that is a worm and the what? balls are apples. <laughs> or a dick that um I'm scared. Is no, sorry. We've said apple anal beads, right? Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm um, losing it. I'm losing I'm it. I'm pretty sure we have said that before. <laughs> so if not, just um um a dick that has an apple on the tip. Oh, a lot of apple themed. Yeah, I juicy it could be some dirty laundry that's oh, in don't people the shape like, of a harness. Don't people like um the ones that are just like supposed to be people too so we have one that's just like mike delfino <laughs> it's just like mike's dick. yeah <laughs> we call that actor we're like hi can we get a mold of uh... <laughs> it'll it'll be so quick it'll, it'll be, be so, so quick to just make the mold so tasteful yeah just like you could pick the pose yeah you get 10 percent of the proceeds <laughs> 
Oh god, uh, we should move on because we see. Our, also, I know what our end of episode question is. Um, <laughs> we see Susan is waiting for Julie, and they're going to talk about birth control. And this scene is great, but doesn't make fucking any sense for how Susan's been acting for the rest of the episode. Because Susan is like, I'm just upset that you like didn't trust me enough to tell me. And I'm like, girl... You were like screaming at her that sex is going to kill her. You were fear-mongering her. You were making her feel unsafe. Like, of course she wasn't going to trust you. Like, I hate when parents do that where it's like they act like pieces of shit to you. And then they're like, why don't you trust me enough to talk to me? And it's like, well, because you were an asshole. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like this is how Susan should have been parenting. But I was annoyed at it because I was like, girl, you created a distrust in your own kid. And that's your fault, not hers. Mm-hmm. Queen Julie, Queen Julie, Queen Julie, Queen uh, Julie. But then I was like, Julie was like, me and Austin are in love, and I saw Susan's face, and I know it gets confirmed, but I was immediately like, oh my god, are you gonna tell Julie about Danielle? I mean, like, why would she not? Like that, know, it's yeah. her daughter, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a weird fine line of, like, should she have got involved? But also, I also understand the instinct to want to, like, tell her the truth. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And then we go into our closing monologue. Honey, I, I was over at Evie's today, and I walked in the door. Uh, yes, I need to speak to my husband. Uh, yes, there is. Um, would you... Please ask him to come home as early as possible tonight. Thank you. And we see she's holding the teeth in her hands, which feels very it's grody. It's a dangerous world. So we all look for protection. And whether we find it in the arms of our mother. We see Julie and Susan, Julie crying over the news. Or at the end of a jagged blade. We see Mike with his prison shank. In the kiss of our sweetheart. We see the Scavos reconciling. At the end of a barrel? Because we know somewhere in the world. There are those who would do us harm. And we see Bree looking at Alma and Alma waves at her. End of episode. I feel really awake now. I feel just as tired. <laughs> I was like, are people going to hear a distinct shift in like the lack of gravel in my voice from beginning to now? Uh, probably. That was a fun epi. That was a fun epi. I'm fucking so pumped. To, like, we're in the second half of the season. I am yeah. so fucking pumped as we're ramping up to the end of the season. Oh, shit. Uh. <gasps> Speaking of, uh, <laughs> we've been with Syria Games. Uh, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Wisteria Gaze on Twitter and at Wisteria Gaze underscore on Instagram. You can also find us on our website, WisteriaGaze.com. 
And on our website, you can find links to things like our merch page, our Discord. Our Discord is great. A lot of people hang out and we have fun. And you can also find a link to our Patreon. Hell yeah. Our Patreon is great. It helps support us. It helps support the show. And if you subscribe to our Patreon, which is pay what you can, by the way. Yeah. You get some really cool perks like ad-free episodes, episode show notes, and not only that, but also, therefore, episode shout-outs. <laughs> so we want to take the next minute to shout-out our patrons. I want to shout-out AJ. Amanda. Annie. Kaylin. Cheryl. Elise. Helena. Kim. Liv. Lydia. Nadia. Sarah. And Tom. Thank you so much for being our patrons and supporting the show. We love you. We love you so much. You're so juicy. So if if you want an episode shout out and all of those other perks, please go to patreon.com slash wisteria gays or wisteria.gay. I love reviews. Reviews are nice. And I love them. Ha-cha-cha. Ha-cha-cha. Who are you, reviews Sondheim? Are... I am. <laughs> I am. The... He was reborn. And me. <laughs> reviews are great. They help people find the show, believe it or not. And they make both of our days. At the end of every episode, we love posting a question to help get those rejuices flowing. Every time I keep meaning to say review juices, and it always comes out rejuices. I love rejuices. And Mackenzie, you said you have an ending question for us. I mean, I think it should be. What is your pitch for our Desperate Housewives sex toy line? Have we already asked that before? We have, but I'm down for a round two. Hell yeah. Round two. Give us more sex toy ideas. <laughs> Hell yeah. And you've already heard ours. Or do you have one? Oh, um. <laughs> no. Sorry, my brain just was like Edie Fleshlight, but that's not creative. So, um. <laughs> I mean, we did say some earlier. I realized that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, no. Hey, why not? <laughs> I don't know. Tell us your ideas. When you leave us a review, let us know your Desperate Housewives sex toy pitches, um, and we'll put them in our business plan and give you money. Hell yeah. Yeah. Our five-year business plan. <laughs> Other than that, you can find me, Ned, on social media at Ned Jorts. You can find me, Mackenzie, at Mackenzie Wilkes. Mackenzie. Yes? I love you. I freaking love you, too. Everyone else... Stay juicy. Stay juicy.